the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is 4 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. And I'm guessing if you were watching sports last night. So you had a couple options, right? Well, I guess I guess actually you could have watched both games. Because the Dodgers and the Braves were early and mostly over by the time the Lakers and Golden State came around. So and I don't know I don't know if sports is is a deal but opening night for the Lakers last night not a good night for LeBron and AD and and everybody they they looked good in the first half, right? But how about the game? How about the Dodgers? So when when the 8th inning when it was middle of the 8th inning and it was 5 to 2 and you're looking at the fact that in this series, Atlanta has found a way to win, and now they got the lead. Did you think we're going to pull this out? Did, did you go into the eighth inning thinking it's going to be 3-0 and our, th- this is not going to happen, or did you go into the eighth inning thinking we can still turn this around? We've seen – I mean, remember what the Dodgers did in the wild card against the, the Cardinals. Some of you are going, I, I haven't been paying any attention to any of this. Okay, I understand. And And – I don't really want to talk inside baseball. I want to talk about the guys who are playing the game. And and uh, I, I have found over the last several years, I live in a, in a community that does not have – I grew up in St. Louis. And so we had an NFL team when I was growing up. It was the St. Louis football Cardinals. They were gone. And then St. Louis got the Rams and – they're gone. St. Louis doesn't have a team. So when your hometown, when you know the place you grew up doesn't have an NFL team and you look around and go, who am I going to root for in the NFL? Here's what I I have started rooting for the guys I know who are in the league who are are solid in their faith and I want their I, I want them to have a great Sunday or Monday night or Thursday night depending on when they're playing the game cuz I want their profile to go up to give them a bigger platform for Jesus. And so I was thinking about the Dodgers and thinking about their profile, which has been pretty good over the last couple of years. And I thought, I'm going to call my friend Jason Romano, who I don't know how many of you listen to the Sports Spectrum podcast that Jason hosts. Uh, He's written a couple of books. He's an author. He's a speaker. And he he pretty much knows, former ESPN guy, commuted to Greenwich, Connecticut, back and forth, he he pretty much knows who in in major sports baseball football basketball even even a little hockey he knows who are the guys who are serious about their walk with Christ and so and and he likes sports so Jason welcome to uh, Southern California Live nice to have you on on the day after a victory 
Yeah. Hi, Bob. Nice to be with you. And uh, I would imagine those listening that are Dodgers fans are uh, feeling a lot better today than they were in the seventh inning of last night's game. So it's good to be with you. <laughs> do you have a uh, Do you have a dog in this playoff hunt here? Are you a because you live in the Northeast, it, but but you live near New York, so you can't be a Red Sox fan, right? That's correct. I live in Connecticut, Central Connecticut. I am a, a diehard New York Mets fan. Um, so I don't really have a dog in this fight, although the Braves play in the Mets division. So uh, I would usually root against them. Uh, <laughs> I have some people that I know who play on the Braves or have been associated with that organization. So uh, I would say I don't really have a dog in the fight. I'm always rooting for just seven games in a, in a playoff series. But I would probably say if I was leaning towards the team, it would probably be the Dodgers just because of the team that I normally root for is uh, their rivals are playing on the other side. So, so, so you're you're not so much cheering for the Dodgers as cheering against the Braves, right? <laughs> yes, that's probably a good way to put it. Although, like I said, I, I think the older I've gotten, the less I I am one of those guys that you know despises other teams. I'm, I I certainly won't ever probably root for the Braves. Because I'm a Mets fan, but yeah, I would say <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably rooting against Atlanta. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so, so before we talk about the Dodgers and about some of the guys on the team who who know Christ and and who are solid in their yeah. faith, um, I I've heard your story, but just share with our listeners a little bit about uh, what happened to you at ESPN that was a spiritual turning point in your life. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, 2001 that I became a Christian, so that's when I began my walk with the Lord. I was 26 years old, and, um, you know, I worked at ESPN for many years, and it was until about halfway through my tenure that uh, I just had this identity crisis that I realized, you know, this moment that I could work at ESPN and be a Christian and live my faith out. Uh, by loving people, by serving people at ESPN, but it really wasn't until 2016 or so when I was working on a show called Mike and Mike in the Morning that I started to feel this nudge, this tug from God to do more for him, and I didn't ever think I would leave ESPN after 17 years there, but God called me towards something greater and, and more purposeful. I like to say I went from success to significance with the work that I get to do. And now I'm working with, as you mentioned, sports spectrum, where we get to talk to these athletes and coaches and other people in the world of sports. But with a unique twist, we bring Jesus into the sports conversation. And we talk about faith. We talk about purpose. We talk about identity. Most of all, we talk about Christ. And uh, it's been my honor the last four plus years to kind of serve and lead this team at Sports Spectrum and be able to tell these stories that really nobody else is telling. Um, you know, ESPN and my former employer and many others, Fox, they'll do a great job telling the sports story. And there's many great shows, much like yours and, and this one and many others, that will talk about faith and, and matters of faith. But there aren't a lot of sports and faith shows out there that are strictly devoted to sports with that intersection of faith. And so we pride ourselves on that, and it's certainly something that we are just so in awe that God would choose us. And that's what we've, we've been doing the last few years. Folks can find the Sports Spectrum podcast uh, wherever they get podcasts. Your website is jasonromano.com, and there's a link to the podcast there, as well as information about your books. So I'd encourage folks to go there. It was a uh, There was a significant conversation in the halls of ESPN with Tony Dungy that kind of forced you to 
to take a second look at what you were doing, wasn't there? There was, yeah. We're talking about a pro football Hall of Fame coach. We're talking about a guy who's a legend in the football space, but a lot of a lot of believers know Tony Dungy because of his books that he's written, amazing books. And I had an opportunity to spend a day with him back in 2010, and that was really where that identity crisis was kind of happening. And I'm sitting there with Coach Dungy talking to him. He had found out that I was a Christian, and he asked me a question that changed really the trajectory of my career at ESPN. He asked me, how do you live your faith out here at ESPN, Jason? And I I was caught off guard, Bob. I didn't know really how to answer that. And so I said to him, uh, Coach Dungy, I don't know if I can do that here. Uh, I'm hired to be a producer, not an evangelist, right? And before Tony could you know, respond, and I could tell I had disappointed him, he was kind of shaking his head, his assistant, Jessica, who was there with him that day, kind of stood in front, and Jessica and I had known each other a little bit, so she was comfortable doing this. She just stood in front of Coach Dungy and looked at me with her hands on her hips, kind of like that stern mom looking at their <laughs> child when they you know, come home late from school or come home with a bad grade. And she looked at me and just shook her head and said, you don't get it, Jason. Hmm. And I was kind of taken aback. I'm like, what don't I get? And she said, look where you work. Look at this place, this worldwide leader in sports with 3,000 people on campus, and look at the impact that you can make. Look at the mission field that you have as a producer here. And she goes, maybe someday God will call you away, but until then, God wants you to bloom where you're planted right here at ESPN. And as I said, Bob, that changed my life because this light bulb went on above my head that allowed me to understand that she was right, that I could look at ESPN as a place where I could serve, where I could love people, where I could be the hands and feet of Jesus without necessarily preaching or walking around with a Bible in my hand and a cross on my shirt, but I could go to ESPN and each day have the purpose of being Christ to as many people as possible. And through that, hopefully building relationships, I'd have an opportunity to share my faith. And that's exactly what happened until the time I left in 2017. Which, by the way, you don't have to work at ESPN to have that mindset as you go to wherever God's sending you every day, right? We're all sent, and we ought to go with that idea that where is God sending us, and and who who can we pray for today? Who can we influence today? How can we live for Jesus today and and be the incarnation of Christ in that workplace. Um, So let's talk about the Dodgers. When I think about the Dodgers and I think about people who know Christ, uh, Clayton Kershaw comes to mind first. Absolutely. Clayton is, uh, I would say, an ambassador for Jesus. There is no doubt. And he's a guy, you know, you kind of wish he was playing right now because he's injured. And he's been such a, a legend with this team. I believe he's a future Hall of Famer. Um, a dominant pitcher for so many years, three-time Cy Young Award winner, but also a man of faith and a guy who has continually used and wanted to use his platform to share faith and to do good. And he gives back, and he's just one of those guys when when you look at how he lives his life, right? And this is a guy with a very large contract, right? Hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, he is, you know, paid very well, but this is not a guy who – is just hoarding that money. He's, his desire is to preach the gospel and to share God with as many people as possible and doing that through the platform that he's had. I mean, we had him on one of our shows on Sports Spectrum 
you know, last year, and his quote was, Jesus saved us, and Jesus is the only answer. So you're talking about a guy, that's very bold to say, yep. when you're a Cy Young award-winning pitcher who's out there in the spotlight, especially, you know, in a big city like Los Angeles, and Clayton does not shy away from his faith, and he's a great ambassador for Christ in, in the you, game. Do you know his story? Do you know how he came to faith? I don't know. I think it was initially, from what I remember reading and, and, and remember him on our interviews, I think it's a faith that he grew up with. Yeah. Um, and then kind of as he got older, you know, kind of made that faith his own, which is, again, something that you see a lot of from, from many people who grow up in different areas. And he grew up, you know, knowing, I believe, at least hearing about the gospel and then kind of coming to faith later in life. And I want to ask you about this as well, because you've been around sports long enough to know that there are guys who are clearly, I mean, there's Christianity is not anywhere in their vocabulary. Jesus, if they're using Jesus' name, they're not using it in any kind of a sanctified way, right? Then there are guys in <laughs> oh, pro yeah. sport, then there are the guys in pro sports who um, they would they would have some kind of a public. Um, testimony but honestly in the locker room um the the difference between them and the the guys who don't know christ it's you're not really sure if if their profession of faith just how solid it is and then you've got another category of of guys who kind of view sports as an arena where they can live out their faith kind of like you were doing at espn it, it sometimes it's hard for us to know as as we hear we'll we'll watch a guy in a post game interview and and hear a guy say and you know I just I want to praise the Lord for what happened here tonight and we think do we take that to the bank or or should we should we find out a little bit you, I mean you've been around this you've seen it you know what I'm talking about right I do yeah I think and it's it's the hardest thing is for for me or really anybody else and I think Christians can can be a little guilty of this is putting people on pedestals and then, um, you know, being shocked if they use foul language or, you know, God forbid, have a, a terrible fall or walk away from Christ. That becomes um, dangerous, I think, for us to kind of put Christians on a pedestal, especially, large, you know, athletes, because the pressures that they face, the platforms that they have, and remembering that, you know, all have sinned and fallen short. So they're going to mess up and make mistakes just like you and I. Um, so we have to do, we really do have to remember that. But yes, there is a lot of guys where you see the fruit of their faith. And there are others who maybe aren't as vocal about it or even ever share it who have it. Um, you know, I think it varies. And it's definitely something that you see. Um, I would argue, you know, sometimes there's guys who would thank God, but then you watch their actions and the fruit isn't necessarily there. Um, but again, who am, I to, who am I to fully judge if yeah. I don't know their story? And even if I did, even then, it's not my place to kind of judge them if I'm not, you know, in a friendship or a relationship with them to kind of be accountable to them. So and I think we just have to watch that. But I do think there are some guys that I've interviewed and talked to personally who I know um, have a very strong faith, um, have come on our shows and shared about Jesus. And, you know, then I can't control what they do when they go out on the field and maybe, <laughs> you know, slip up with a bad word or, you know, don't have the best representation every single moment. But the platform that we have, I really love because we can we can go into a place where we can ask them a little bit more about their faith. And, you know, if they're able to answer that, as you know, in First Peter 3, we're supposed to give a reason for the hope and always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that's within us. So 
hopefully these guys are prepared if they are asked by I think we I think we'd, we we dropped there. We we are supposed today. to always have a hope give a reason for the hope that's within us. We're talking with Jason Romano uh from former ESPN now a Sports Spectrum and uh trying to figure uh, do do we have him still on the line? Jason, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, we lost you there for a second. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think as I think about this, really the onus is is on us to be really careful not to have that pedestal approach that you were talking about, not to hear a guy say, "Well, praise the Lord," and then assume, "Oh, okay, well, this guy's going to be a mature follower of Christ, and we're we're going to expect him to uh, to his public witness to be above reproach." I mean, we're all on a journey, and some guys are going to stumble, and we just we got to be careful with some of that. That's right. And it's absolutely, I think, important for us to remember that they are humans. They are, you know, people uh, who have lots of money and are on on a very big stage, but they are humans. And they go through the same struggles that you and I go through, marriage struggles, um, parenting struggles, um, all sorts of struggles, identity struggles, you know, lust and greed and anything else that any of us would struggle with. Um, I do think it's refreshing when they do stand up for their faith and stand out, like we talked about with Clayton Kershaw. And, um, you know, I always encourage a lot of guys to be more vocal and bold with their faith, not, not forcing it on anyone or calling anyone out, but just, you know, sharing why, you know, they are who they are and what makes them so unique and understanding that baseball is what they do, but it's not who they are. So, Okay, so as a guy who, and I, I mentioned this earlier, I'm, I'm somebody who watches sports anymore, and I'm cheering for, for those guys who are, ambassadors for Christ in the in the sports marketplace. So who should I be cheering for when they come up to bat tomorrow night against uh, against the Braves? Who on the Dodgers team should I go, there's one of my guys. All right, let's get a hit here. Well, the first guy is the manager, uh, Dave Roberts. I mean, Dave has, uh, you know, shared his faith. He's led by his faith. Um, certainly he's been in many big games, not only as a player, but having won last year in the World Series and been in the World Series Previously, I mean, Dave Roberts is a guy. We actually have a story on our on our website today, sportsspectrum.com, about Dave and just talking about how he leads with his faith in front. And he's called his his walk with Christ the most important thing. When he had a, a cancer battle a few years back, he said he thought his faith got him through that emotionally and spiritually and mentally. Um, and he called it, you know, the single most important thing in his life is his faith in Jesus. So... I would start with the coach, and that's a good place to start with the manager who's leading the Dodgers is a guy who leads with his faith in front. And then the easiest answer on the next one to me is Albert Pujols. I mean, he's been in the league forever, so this should not surprise anybody. And I'm not sure if he'll be in the lineup and playing, but he's he's a big-time leader and a certain future Hall of Famer who's on that Dodgers team, and that's a guy who has completely put his trust in Jesus for many years, been open about his faith, and loves the Lord. So I would start with those two. That's that's who I'll be cheering for, and I'm I'm also thinking about because because I know a lot of us have uh, sons and daughters who watch these games and do look at these sports heroes and the guys who are getting uh, three run homers in the bottom of the eighth, and we go uh, we, we can put them on a pedestal. One of the things you're doing is uh, you've got a magazine, Sports Spectrum magazine, that I think is a great opportunity. This this is a great tool for a sports. Um, fan, whether it's a, a, a 
young person who is in middle school or high school who's a sports fan, somebody who's in college, for any of us who love sports, talk about Sports Spectrum magazine and, and how people can find out more about it and subscribe. Yeah, thank you for asking. It's it's a magazine, Bob, it's been around for 35 years, believe it or not. It's a long-running, long-time-running magazine. Some people listening might remember Sports Spectrum magazine when they were younger. And that magazine is still around, and I think it's in its best place it's ever been as far as the content, as far as the quality. And it's a quarterly magazine that right now our fall issue has Dabo Sweeney from Clemson on the cover, and it's got stories in there very much like I I was sharing with you of these athletes and coaches that love Jesus. But it's also got devotionals in there written by professional athletes. It has, you know, a gospel introduction in the back of the magazine, and it's very, very kid-friendly. I mean, if you have a kid who loves sports and you have him in church, this is a great magazine for them, thinking about a birthday, maybe Christmas, and thinking about a gift idea, a stocking stuffer type of thing. You know, our winter edition will be out in early December, so it's the perfect time for a brand-new magazine right around Christmas. And, yeah, it's been around for a long time, Bob, and we're just honored to be able to kind of steward this magazine into the next phase of you know, people and the generations that come next, and these kids are who we target. And listen, it's very hard to find wholesome, you know, safe, you know, kid-free content out there anywhere. I mean, just go to a grocery store, and you have to put your hands over your kids' faces sometimes. Right. So we uh, pride ourselves on the fact that it's not necessarily a child's magazine, but it's for children, it's for adults, it's very safe, it's rated G, if you will, if you were talking about a movie. And, uh, and we love the stories that we get to tell on some of the people that kids and adults like watch on TV and watch in the sports world every single day. And if you know somebody who's a sports fan and you're thinking about an evangelistic gift, a, a subscription to Sports Spectrum because they'll be drawn into the stories about people they they watch and idolize, and they'll hear about faith in Christ in the in the process. So it's a great outreach tool as well. Uh, and again, the podcast, I just want to point people to that. If you want to know more about Sports Spectrum, go to sportsspectrum.com. Find out more about the podcast that uh, that Jason does. Go to his website, jasonromano.com. And uh, thanks for taking a few minutes out to help us uh, cheer on the Dodgers here as they, uh, you know, if if the eighth inning hadn't happened last night, uh, we'd all be sitting here going, okay, well, I guess not this year. But today in L.A., we're all thinking, this can still. This is not over yet, right? It is definitely not over. And Bob, let me tell you, if if Game Four and Game Five or anything like the first three games, you're going to be on the edge of your seat all the way to the very last pitch. <laughs> I mean, these first three games have all been basically walk off games, coming down to the end, teams coming back. So this is a pretty even series, and it's nice to see a rematch from last year and this series potentially having the the capability of repeating what happened last year going seven. So yeah, it is. And it's fascinating. Dodgers fans should be very optimistic. It's fascinating to me how, how much different playoff baseball feels than regular season baseball. Cause every pitch feels like a drama pitch (laughs) when you're watching a playoff game. Jason, thanks again for the time. Absolutely, Bob. Thank you. And uh, go go Dodgers, right? All right, we're going to take a quick time out. Uh, we will continue the conversation here on uh, Southern California Live on KKLA. I'll be right back. Everybody, we love it. <laughs> 
Southern California Live on KKLA on a Wednesday afternoon. And, and I wa- here's what I want to talk about in, uh, in the time that we've got left this hour. I, I want to talk about, uh, about you and about, about anger. Not just any kind of anger. So, so think for a minute with me. When was the last time that you got really irritated or angry or, or just outraged at, well, what, what was it at? Was it, was it somebody who's driving? Uh, you, you got the road rage thing going. Was it something at home going on, or was it what I think it is for many of us? There is this low grade, ongoing kind of perpetual anger and outrage at where things are in our world today. We talked earlier about COVID and about how that's affected our churches. It's affected our psyches. And you you take COVID and economic stress and masks and vaccinations and politics and put them all on the burner and turn it up to simmer. And you can get a pretty potent mix of, of anger and outrage. And, and that's what I want us to, to think together about here. And, and part of what spurred this on for me is uh, – Something I read yesterday from Matt Labash. Matt is a was was a columnist for I think it was American Spectator that he wrote for for uh, many years. He's now got a Substack uh, column, and you know about Substack. So Substack is where a lot of people who uh, can't can't get a job. They they used to work in in mainstream journalism, but they're not. They're either not woke enough to stay there or. They, they they're not flame throwing enough to stay there. They're they're not over over on the polar extreme, so they're they they're coming up with their own um, kind of their their column that they do, and Matt's doing that now. He's got a column that he does on Substack that you can subscribe to. Um, there's a free subscription and then there's a paid subscription. Anyway, I I read his column that came out uh, yesterday, and he talks about. Our anger problem. In fact, the title of the column is Our Anger Problem is Making Me Angry. How to Lose Friends and Irritate People is the subtitle. And he starts by talking about his relationship with his dad. He says, my, I love my dad. My dad is, uh, my dad's a great man. He's as honest as the day is long. He said, Matt says, if, if, if my dad walks out of the grocery store and gets to the car and realizes that he got a dime extra back in in his change he'll walk back into the grocery store and say you gave me too much and and turn the dime back in that's who he is he's an elder in his church he's uh he he is faithful and committed at the local church he's uh, matt says he's he's a hit grandfather and is intentional about wanting to help shape his grandkids he said, uh, so, so my dad, he was in the Air Force for 30 years and then had a second career. Just, his dad's a solid guy. And he said, I, I, I've known my dad a long time since he was born, actually. But, but uh, he, he said, my dad sent me an email recently and told me to call, which I don't do often enough. And I did as I was instructed. And the conversation went like this. Hey, Dad. How, how, so, so dad had just come back from being at the church where they had invited 
homeless people to come in for a meal. And if you wanted to stay there the night, you could. And his dad had stayed up all night with, with different homeless people. So he texts Matt and says, uh, call me. So Matt calls it. Hey, Dad, how'd it go with the, the homeless people? Any interesting stories? And he said, my dad, who was distracted, said, you know, Matt, I'd really like to kick. And then he named a politician. I'd like to kick this politician in the head. Matt said, now, I've known my dad a long time since I was born, actually. And I've never known him to want to go around indiscriminately kicking mild-mannered politicians in the head. He said, I don't remember exactly what the precise infraction was, but but my dad, his anger had been stirred up because of a political position that this particular person had taken. And he said, the point is, my father, respectable military officer, pillar in the church, apple of his grandchildren's eye, a half-interested, not terribly fanatic conservative for most of his life, has been seized by the fever Anger, fever. And he said, as a good chunk of the rest of the country, many of our countrymen are suffering from the same side effect, a very high fever that brings dizziness and sweating and rapid breathing, nausea, changes in mental state, extreme confusion. He said, you get the idea. And that fever is all around us, and and you may have been infected by it. There's an anger pandemic in the culture that I think we've got to be alert to and aware of. And and Matt goes on in his article, he says, uh, my hands aren't clean on this either. He says, when I look back objectively on most of 2020 and early 21, he said, I realized that in the heat of the moments, the raging pandemic, the contentious election, riots, the, the near up ending of democracy that followed the election, he said, I get a little excitable too, intense, insufferable. He said, I became so obsessed with proving to my, and, and here's, here's where Matt gives away his own bias. He said, I became obsessed with proving to my COVID denier friends that in fact, COVID is not the same as the flu and it's actually the deadliest pandemic in a century. He said that I, I wound up losing relationships. He said, I lost old friends and newer ones too. I never threw them over myself, mind you. I have a firm policy. I never excommunicate a friend over politics, no matter how wrong I prove them to be. <laughs> but he said, I did make it easy for them to hit the eject button. One old high school buddy, he said, a, a Trumpster to the core, wouldn't stop sending me a steady stream of the election was rigged conspiracy stuff from unimpeachable sources. He said, I finally snapped. I told him he should probably give it a rest. He was making me want to punch him in the throat. It was a figure of speech, he said, but he took it literally. I didn't actually want to throat punch him, but it caused him not just to sign off from my inbox, but sign off from my 35-year-long friendship as well. He says, now... I'll still argue that I was right and he was wrong. I'll I'll double down, in fact. He said, he was wrong, I'm right. You, you knew I'd say that, right? But he said, but I failed to remember the Proverbs. A soft answer, you're not going to finish it, right? A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Matt said, I'd not only abandon my even temper, my willingness to extend grace to people who didn't ask for it, or maybe even didn't want it, 
my ability to appreciate the ridiculous in others and myself. But I had forgotten how to give a soft answer, how to deflect, how to de-escalate, to subscribe to the spirit that let's live to disagree another day. I did not turn away from wrath with my friend or with many others. I didn't extinguish the fire. Instead, I threw some fat wood on it, stacked the fire starter squares, soaked it in gasoline, and lit it with a blowtorch. And then I did a war dance around the bonfire that I had helped stoke. Why? He said, well, because it's fun to be right. It's fun to pound facts and logic and reason and rhetoric like masonry nails into your combatant friend's cement head. It's great fun to feel righteous, which beats all the feeling dead inside that is the stuff of humdrum existence. But he says, beware of the man who is too convinced of his own righteousness. That's where the trouble usually starts. And that can be you or me. We've got to be aware of the anger epidemic, and we've got to remember what the Bible says, that a soft answer turns away wrath. And we've got to be a part of the people who de-escalate what is bubbling up in our culture today. We've got to be committed to pursuing peace. That's what the Bible tells us. I've got more to say about this. And in fact, if you'd like if you'd like to join the conversation, you're welcome to. 888-52-TALKS is the number. 888-528-2557. Maybe you've found a way to de-escalate some conversations. Or, or maybe you look at this and you go, no, look, it's time for angry words because of where we're headed. Well, you're welcome to jump on the phone and we can talk if you'd like. 888-52-TALKS, 888-52-TALKS or 888-528-2557. We'll continue with more on Southern California Live on KKLA. Be right back. Southern California Live on KKLA on a Wednesday afternoon. You know, it's interesting because if, if you were to ask the question, what is it that has stirred up so much of the cultural anger that we're experiencing these days, one of the things that would always be thrown into the mix is what you're listening to, talk radio. Here we are having this conversation, and I'm trying to say, actually what I'm trying to say is something that People in radio would say, well, don't tell – no, you you got to keep stirring up the the steam if you want people to listen and you want them to engage. you you got to foment the anger to make this thing work, and I'm saying enough. Let me, In fact, let me – here's what the Bible says. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that gives grace to those who hear. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Somewhere in the last year and a half, some of us have forgotten those verses, and some of us may need to memorize some of those verses. 
And that's what we're talking about. Uh, you, you can join us at 888-52-TALKS. Jackie is uh, with us on the line from L.A. Jackie, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I wanted to chime in on the conversation you were having. Yeah, go go for it. Yeah, I, I was listening to what you were saying about how uh, this person was kind of feeling repentance of how they would always um, want to uh, was always against, like, contradicting people that were against the vaccine and he kind of felt bad because he turned into somebody else correct yes yeah well i guess i wanted to say that i was like that but on the other side i was against the vaccine and i would always try to contradict the christians that um that did take the vaccine and so, I, I felt like i kind of got bitter a little bit <laughs> This can cut both ways. I mean, whichever side of the vaccine debate you you find yourself on, it does kind of escalate not into a well. I respect your opinion, but it's almost like we have to we have to argue you out of your opinion in order to validate our own. You found yourself kind of uh, turning up the temperature unnecessarily. Um, yes, uh, to the point where I would even question their faith. You know, like don't you believe in God and. It kind of turned into something that I was like, okay, this is not anymore. So what what caused you to look at that and go, this is not how I should be responding to other people? Um, I think what caused me to look at it that way was when it came to the point where I had to get vaccinated. That's when I was like, okay, wait, let me see what God <laughs> says about this, right? And then I kind of just saw like Daniel when he had a, he was forced to, to, you know, not turn away from his religion, but he was forced to kind of go with the flow in order for God's will to be done, you know? Right. And, yeah, and, and, and go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just, yeah. I was asking, so you came to a point where, what, for an employer situation, you had to get the vaccine? For employer, for my kids to go to school, and every, so it kind of hit all my personal level. And that's when I kind of got close to the Lord more, and, and I realized first, first of all, I wasn't being Christian and making other people question their faith. And me trying to advocate God, I ended up making God look like this strict God that doesn't want nobody to get any kind of medical help because then our faith, you know. And then I, I realized that there was like a culture of us Christians doing that as well, and it got to the point where I was like, this is toxic. Like, I'm, I'm, I literally wake up to look at the Facebook to laugh at the people that are getting the vaccine. And I was doing it, like, unconsciously, you know, thinking that it was the right thing to do, you know? So so what are you doing? If you run into somebody today who you would disagree with on masking or vaccines or any of the pandemic, how are you different today than you were before? Well, first, I definitely um, will not, like, given my energy or my time, I would just definitely say to pray about it, to, to let God lead you to that ultimate decision for you and your family. But I won't take it personal where I want to be the ambassador of don't get vaccinated because of the Lord. You know, I found myself preaching more about the vaccines than about Jesus, you know? So yeah. I just definitely give it my time. Jackie, it's a good word, and I think we've got to remember that the Scripture calls— the Bible says, let your speech be seasoned with grace. And I think what's happened for a lot of us over the last year is that our speech has been seasoned with something other than grace, and I appreciate 
you calling in because this is this is really not so much about which side of the vaccine war or the mask war you're on. This is a question of how do we love and respect one another, even in the midst of those disagreements. And that's what the Bible the Bible calls us to, as Matt Labash said, to to live another day and and disagree another day. We can do that. We can have a disagreement and still love one another. And and I think that's what uh, what the scriptures are calling us to. Thanks for calling in. Steve's on the line from Santa Monica. Steve, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, I think there's a crisis in Christianity. I really do. I don't think the Bible has anything to say about vaccination. I mean, I'm going to listen to public health authorities, not the minister or the pastor. I think ministers and pastors have gotten involved in things they don't know anything about. Vaccination, critical race theory, supporting Trump. I mean, I think that's why younger people are losing respect for evangelical Christianity. Because evangelical Christianity now has become conservative, anti-science, anti-civic responsibility. I'm just appalled at what some pastors have said and gotten involved in. So when it comes to an issue, and, and you just covered the waterfront, I mean, if you want to talk about hot-button stuff, right, we got vaccines, we got critical race theory, and we got Trump, we can go a lot of different directions here. But, but a pastor needs to say, well, what does the Bible give us wisdom on in terms of, of how we're to live our lives, and to the extent that the it Bible speaks to... The... Go ahead. The Bible doesn't say anything about politics. Politics is different than religion. I think that's a big mistake, and I think that's going to lead to the demise of evangelical Christianity. I really do. It's well, I, I, like I, a severe division. Steve, hang on. The Bible does say some things. It, first of all, it says that we're to submit ourselves to governing authorities. It says we're to pray for the king. It says that there that government is ordained by God and set up by God. So th- there is a there's a sense in which. The, the Bible speaks to these things, and to the extent that the Bible does speak to these things, we need to apply what the Bible has to say and, and be able to have these conversations. Now, I would listen, I would agree with you that a lot of people are going beyond the pale in terms of trying to trying to say this is what the Bible says about this or that. When the Bible, you, you can do a word search in your Bible for vaccine. It's not there, okay? I've done it. But that doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't give us guidance or wisdom when it comes to issues like this. I do think to the extent that the word evangelical has come to mean um, I support a particular candidate, I support Donald Trump, I, I, I'm a Republican, we, we've lost our, our sense of what our faith is supposed to be all about. We, we serve a different king and a higher kingdom. But with that said, the Bible gives us instruction for how we're to live out our lives and live out our faith. And that that covers everything from how, the choices you make about vaccine. I'd I just say, by the way, I, I've got to say this. If you're saying, I'm going to trust the science, I can show you competing scientific studies on, on vaccines from legitimate scientists. And we don't just go with majority rules on something like this. So we we've got to be careful on this. Let me see if I can Steve in, uh, or squeeze in Steve, a different Steve who's calling from Poco Rive- or Pico Rivera. Steve, are you there? Yeah. 
Yeah, go ahead. You're on Southern California Live. Yeah, you know, I, I do see the idea about Romans talking about uh, following the authorities. But you have to, have to realize those authorities that are up there may not be or sometimes are not God-fearing individuals. It also follows the same rule in Corinthians where in the marriage you have a one-flesh covenant and the spouse is to be submissive to the husband and that general rule. But that spouse cannot follow that uh, human or that man in, 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 the, in, in marriage if that man is asking his wife to do something that's immoral or against biblical principles, then she has every right to disagree with him, even though she's put, he's put on her authority. So I, I would agree with you on the husband-wife relationship and would say the general principle that applies to following governing authorities, and I think we have to be clear, clear here, the Bible tells us that we are we are not to um, obey if our governing authorities tell us to do something that God forbids, and we're not to obey if the governing authorities tell us to uh, to not do something that God commands. Beyond that, when when Paul wrote Romans thirteen, the the governing authorities who were in power at that time were not godly governing authorities. In in his he's talking about Nero for heaven's sake. So we've, we've got to keep in mind here that, yes, there is a place for civil disobedience. That's why, why the apostles, when they walked out from the Sanhedrin, said, we've got to obey God and not man. And, and that's a biblical principle. If, if governing authorities in your church, in your marriage, in your, in, in your culture, your society, if the governing authorities are commanding you to do something God forbids— or forbidding you to do something God commands, then you must obey God. But if the governing authorities are saying, pay your taxes, the Bible says pay your taxes. (laughs) If the governing authorities are saying, here's how we're going to organize this, the speed limit's 55, and, and here's the penalty for perjury, and here's what happens if you shoplift, we got to live peaceably in this world. I mean, this is a big can of worms that we've, we've kind of dug our way into and we don't have time to dig our way out. I appreciate all of you who called this afternoon and we'll continue with these conversations on Southern California Live and I hope you'll stay a part of this. So thanks for joining us. I want to thank our guests today, Jason Romano and Colin Hansen for being with us and thank you for staying with us as well. I'm Bob Lapine. And uh, and hope uh, hope you continue to tune in and listen to uh, Southern California Live here on KKLA. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.